we shall get started. We were in uh, this our this our third week here on this in Acts, first chapter of Acts. Holy Spirit gives us um, really a preparation for for the church, and now as we come to chapter two, we see uh, the church ready to do its job. And um, what happens there is that Jesus had promised two great big events. And of course, He promised this Holy Spirit and coming together, the, the unity and of um, the body of believers, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, talked about in John 14 and John uh, 16, 17. And uh, he said, I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And then he said, He is with you, he shall be with you. And then he clarified it even further when we see in Acts 1 5, where he says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so then uh, Jesus made these promises. Church. Believers would be baptized. Both of these events would take place at the same time, the same day. And uh, they're all recorded in uh, chapter 2. And so we see a little bit of a theological definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the placing of the believers into the church or into the body. And we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 12, verse 13, gives a good definition there. For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body. That's at uh, the very moment that every believer um, is then placed into the church, a unit, uh, a closely knit unit together. And so that's what this is. The church is seen as this starts in Acts 2 and uh, the baptism of the Spirit placed into the body. Um, You have a transition age. You have the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. You have the New Testament, the New Covenant. And um, it's kind of interesting to see. Of course, there were 40 days, 50 days, I guess, ultimately, um, in that time period that the Holy Spirit came. And you actually have believers before the Holy Spirit indwells them. Um, You have the apostles and the 120 and such. Um, Today, it's... Uh, that's not the norm, is it? You um, you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that'll, that makes you then now a believer. You're baptized into the body of Christ. But uh, this was um, a one-time thing is the way that that happened. Uh, and at that moment, believers uh, are... Well, people become believers. So it's a new, new uh, fellowship, in a way, brought about by the indwelling of all believers... Everybody's placed into a union, individually indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The body is indwelt by that. As we go into our our text tonight in uh, chapter 2 and starting around verse 4, we see that if if we back up and look at it where we were at last week, we saw the evidence of the Spirit. And then we'll look tonight as uh, also that along with the effect of the Spirit's coming and then the explanation of the Spirit's coming. That's how we're kind of dividing it up. Uh, you remember in verse 2, there was a sound. There was, it, was, it was a noisy sound. 
very loud. It was like the wind. It wasn't the wind, but it was a blast or a breath that came from heaven. It came right from God. Uh, a sound like a rushing wind. A noise of a hurricane, if you may, or a tornado. Incredible sound. And um, that would definitely be, um, I think, a little bit of evidence that there's something happening here, right? People heard that. And we see that it says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it is that in verses 2 and 3, they received the Spirit of God. Verse 4, the Spirit of God releases His power so that they be filled. We believe there's a distinction between the baptism of the Spirit and the filling. Baptism is a positional thing. That's what happens when we become believers, placed into the body. But there's a practical aspect, and that's the filling. And that's the ongoing, continual filling of it. Baptism gives us the power, and the filling turns it on. You know, It's like if you turn on the light, you hit the light switch, you've now turned it on. The power is there, but you have to turn it on. Now, the water is a little bit different here tonight. <laughs> we, can't, we can't get filled with water tonight, okay? So, you can't turn it on. I think it's there, it's just that you can't turn it on. But we're commanded. <laughs> um, it's a situation of control. Being filled, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think we talked about that last week. Of course, we, we think of the Ephesians 5.18 and... Um, as we're commanded to do that. That's what all believers are to do, to be filled. And then it says, as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit was giving them utterance. So that's the text that we start with tonight in verse 4. Why don't we uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for... Your great truth. Thank you for who you are and how you have shown yourself, revealed yourself, who you are. You revealed how this church started in the sense of the indwelling Holy Spirit, an ongoing thing that empowers us. You have given revelation and then you gave more. And we have, at least at this time, the fulfillment in the Word of God and um, thank you that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live these truths out. And as we see how the church progresses as it goes and grows out to the rest of the world, uh, may it uh, enthuse us uh, about taking uh, this gospel out and uh, that we could honor you and glorify you with it and by our lives. In your son's name, amen. Now, he says that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, been baptized, been filled, and then we see something else. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They spoke with other glossa, glossa, and that means language. It's a, it's a language. Um, and that's the first thing it means. It means language. When you, when you say a language, it's something that can uh, obviously be understood. It, uh, it always means languages. If you look in verse 6, you'll see that um, when the sound occurred, the crowd came together, were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. 
that's the same word as the word tongues that's found in verse 4. And then we drop down to verse 8. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language? There is another one. Now, uh, I said they're the same word. They're, the word for uh, tongues is glossa in verse 4. You thought of uh, glossary, right? Um, when you see the word language down in verse 6, actually the word, and it's related to glossa, but it's dialecto, which is where we get our word dialect. And then down in verse 8, again, dialecto. Uh, and then in verse 11, Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, or glossos. So we have, we have a, either tongues or language that you see, but every time that it's mentioned, it's talk, talking about something that is an, an understandable language that would make sense to people. Um, languages, dialects, not a gibberish. That's not the issue here at all. Not something that, uh, something that comes out that nobody understands. The person that's saying it doesn't understand it. That's never met. And as we look, just trying to go verse by verse, I think it kind of helps, gives us a little bit of history of what started and why it did. Um, when people say they have some kind of a Pentecostal gift and they speak with a non-language, it is not really, and they'll use this Acts 2 to bring this forth, but that's not being fair to the language or the context with what we have in front of us. Um, they're, they're speaking. The, there are qualifications for being spirit-filled. Um, some of the qualifications, I think, that when, when we looked in Ephesians 5, we know that they, as they uh, are filled with the Spirit, what do they do? They, they sing. They make melody on their heart. They speak to each other. Um, the Word is preached. It all, goes all the way into the home, husband and wife. Um, the family, the kids, um, also at, at work. When one is filled with the Spirit, that's the kind of lifestyle that one lives. Um, sometimes when you have people that might be trying to speak in some kind of language that's not understood, maybe, they may not even be people who are having those kind of qualifications for being filled with the Spirit. They're not necessarily submitting to their husband or the husband is not loving his wife. Uh, of course, that can happen with any Christian, but um, being filled with the Spirit is part of all of that. So anyway, that's dialect or it's language. Um, and there's a pattern that I think that we see in throughout the rest of Acts that I think is really interesting to see. It's, it's quite the strategy. I think it's very exciting. Because in Jerusalem at the time, are Jews, and there are Jews that have come from, you can say, all parts of the world. And, and we see them listed in, in this text that we, we look at tonight. You could take 200,000 people and go into that temple courtyard alone. 200,000 people jam-packed in that one area. And matter of fact, there probably could have been a million people in the city at this time, this being Pentecost. This is, a spirit, uh, I think, a, a special um, time.
time, a specific miracle, this occasion, this particular day, God has planned out. He's ordained this. It was going to happen. It's done by Him. And uh, what we will see is that it starts with Jews and Jews from all over the world, but it will expand out before we get too far into the book of Acts. We'll see that it has gone to uh, all parts. And, of course, a lot of them are being represented right here in these some of these countries that are named. Um, if you look in Acts 1-8, you get that outline again, and this is exactly what's going to happen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in where? Jerusalem. Of course, that's where it's going to start. And in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And as we kind of move on through, why don't we go ahead and take a little bit of this outline, advance on up to Acts chapter 8. The gospel now is going up north. It's spreading out of Jerusalem, Judea. The next area is Samaria. You remember, Samaritans were kind of like half-breeds. Jewish pagan, mixed together. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews, if you remember. And Jesus says that the gospel is going to go there. And that could be offensive to most Jews. What he does is that he takes two of the most popular apostles, Peter and John, and not until Peter and John go up to Samaria does the Spirit come. And he told them, you go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So Peter and John are going to go there. And it's just like whenever Paul, or Peter and, and John come back, when he comes back to Jerusalem, when they come back to Jerusalem and tell them what happened in Samaria, it's like, You'll never believe it. You'll never believe what just happened. Um, Samaritans, I think, got the um, same thing that we got, is what they're telling them. Uh, let's go to uh, Acts 8.14. See how this goes. Um, now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Okay, this is the story of Simon. Um... Go down to verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And that's, that's key and central is the preaching of the gospel. What he does here is that now you have some people who are believing in the Lord Jesus, but the Holy Spirit hadn't come to those people yet. The, the news had gotten there. And so when Simon saw the Spirit was bestowed upon them. We don't have languages mentioned here, but it's very possible that it could have. It's not mentioned, but it would verify, and that's what we're going to see how this develops through other chapters. 
because that would verify to the apostles that what the Samaritans had was real. Matter of fact, what the apostles had would verify to the Samaritans that this was real. But anyway, the apostles are always present when this happens, when they go to another group. And so, uh, that's that's great. I, I, I Like I say, I think that that would probably be um, the thing that probably happened as far as the Holy Spirit. Now, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Now we're going to spread on out, go a little bit further, and we're going to bring in Gentiles. Samaritans are mixtures. A little bit of Jewish. Now you're going to go all the way out and bring in the Gentiles. And they too are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be quite shocking. It was definitely shocking to Peter. And you remember, he had the vision of all the different animals. And that was like representing all the other nations in the world. Turn to Acts 10, 44. Peter, again, in verse... uh, 34, it says Peter's been opening his mouth. He's preaching, right? He preaches Jesus of Nazareth, preaches the gospel. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Remember the promise? The Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus had promised? Well, here it is. Peter is seeing this is going to the Gentiles. Well, how is he going to know for sure? Something pretty evident. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues, glossa, and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. They received the Holy Spirit just like they did. And there was this the, the, the sound that they were able to hear with these languages, and He offered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So the water baptism. Then they asked Him to stay on for a few days. So the Gospel was being preached, and all of a sudden, it was like... Uh, Peter realized that the Holy Spirit had come on them. And uh, there it was. Now we have we have the uh, not only Jerusalem and the Samaritans, now we have Gentiles. And there is a pattern going on here, I believe. Um, they hear them speak. And so that's verifying to them. Can you imagine taking this news back to Jerusalem, telling people, hey, what happened to us, the whole church, is now happening elsewhere. It's to the Gentiles of all places. And that's uh, that's rather shocking. Well, it actually uh, is told by Peter in Acts 11, verse 15 and 16. tells about this. And he's, he, he says, uh, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, Spirit fell upon them just as He did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how He used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they're placed into the body and they're able to be verified 
by the languages into this one body. Quite a story that he had when he took it back to the other Jewish people. They've heard now about the Samaritans. Now they're hearing about the, uh, the Gentiles. Matter of fact, in the first church council in Acts 15, and the issue is what are we going to do with these, the ones who used to be pagans that are Gentiles? What are we going to do about them as they are part of the body of Christ? What do do we do? And of course, there were some Jews saying that they had to follow uh, the the laws, certain laws that they had and such. And of course, dealing with circumcision. Uh, in in verse 6, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up. Sounds like Peter, doesn't it? Takes charge. Said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, and now look at this, just as He also did to us. There's not something where somebody has a little bit more, or maybe they've just been blessed a little bit more than others. He's saying, they're in this body just like we are. They were placed into it, and then we saw what happens. And so, they have the Holy Spirit. And he said, and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, Peter makes sure, as they're having this conflict about circumcision, that he comes in and establishes the fact, hey, they're not lesser. We're all equal in this. And the Holy Spirit is the reason why. So, we see Peter giving quite testimony on that. And what the languages do is is they they simply connect the people. There's one other group hanging way out there in Ephesus. These guys haven't even heard of the baptism of the Spirit. Matter of fact, they're following John the Baptist. In Acts 19, this takes in all the group. Remember, it's going to be spreading out to the remotest parts of the earth. Now we're going all the way out to Ephesus, not just around Cornelius' house uh, at the coast. It's now spreading out to different nations. Verse 1, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus, and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? See how important it is? (laughs) The Holy Spirit... This doctrine of the Holy Spirit is uh, of major importance because if you have the Holy Spirit, it means you're in the body of Christ. What is it with these guys? No, they they don't know anything about it. He said to them, did you see the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. John the Baptist. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in Him, Christ, who was coming after Him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, identifies with them, 
Not some kind of a magic touch where an apostle touches somebody and boom, some magical thing happens, but he's identifying. Just like in the sacrifices that they had with the animals. They would lay their hands upon them. That's an identification. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking with tongues, languages, and prophesying, preaching, proclaiming. And they were in all about 12 men. And now what you have is a little group, 12 like Old Testament saints, kind of like hangovers from John the Baptist. And they're on their merry way. Nothing's happened since John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, you have the apostles come here and preach the Word of God. Holy Spirit is going to get them in the body too. And uh, Spirit always came in the presence of the apostles. You know, He's indwelling them. And uh, they spoke with languages. They prophesied. And then you have the apostles here tying them together. Now, this is the amazing genius of the Holy Spirit who here is putting together the body so that no one part of the body can look at another part and say, we have what you don't have. (laughs) I have something more than you do. See, we all have the Holy Spirit when we become into the body of Christ, when we are believers. Um, there are there were only Jews and Gentiles. Jews or Gentiles. And the bodies put together, Jewish and Gentile, and even these guys who were the Ephesians way out there, these Gentiles, the middle wall, it's said in Ephesians, the middle middle wall was broken down. And Jew and Gentile became one in Jesus Christ. And it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that did that. Uh, in union with Christ. The, the same gift of the Holy Spirit as the apostles got right there in Jerusalem had gone to Samaria, uh, Cornelius' house, and extended all the way out then later to Ephesus as they became bar, uh, part of the church. So there wouldn't be any question who belonged to the unity of the body. Uh, it says in uh, back into our Acts passage now. We see how it starts. The Spirit gives them utterance. This is a reminder of who who controls the individual who's filled with the Spirit. An individual that's filled with God's Spirit is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, this is not the norm. This is the beginning, a foundation here. This is not like what uh, one would expect where you have a noise and you have the uh, cloven tongues of fire, um, you know, the, all the necessary visual or audible things that's happening. Um, one thing that's, that went on whenever they went to different parts to clarify that this gospel has gone out, Holy Spirit has come to all people, was... Um, the apostles being involved. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. And of course, when Jesus was doing the miracles, whenever He was doing His three-year ministry, He would do signs, wonders, and miracles. But then what else would He do? then he would preach the word. It would open the people up 
to the truth that he had and verify that what he was saying was true. So it's either from God or it's from the devil. Now, this is a supernatural thing. And so if one is an apostle, he would have those signs. And the, uh, the apostles were present every time to verify what was going on. And, and it proved to those people that what the, the very early days of the church was, was real. Um, look in Hebrews 2, verse 3. He starts with um, this salvation. Verse 3, it says, After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, that's Christ, it's first spoken by Him, right? It was confirmed to us by those who heard. So it was confirmed. There was something there that confirmed it that this is real. This is not some kind of uh, magic play act. God also testifying with them those who heard them, like the apostles, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So He gave them the signs, the wonders, and miracles to be able to validify, again, the Word of God. Because that is what is at the heart of all of this. It's to open people up to be able to hear the Word. They were to confirm the... uh, apostolic proclamation of the gospel. That's what the signs did. Uh, these languages uh, were very helpful in that. And it was something that was supernatural. It didn't substitute for the preaching of the gospel. And we'll see here immediately after uh, this happens when we see some of the people that were there, then Peter opens up and preaches the gospel. Everything was being prepared for what is the most important thing involved. Um, So, this is um, quite the thing. All the perspective senses, I think, are met here. They heard, right? Of course, they'd heard the sound that came. They heard these languages. They saw, of course, at the very outset, were the, the tongues of fire. And their minds then comprehended the languages that they were using. Because everybody, and we'll, we'll see that in a moment, everybody heard what was spoken in their own language as they were there. Just fantastic things that were happening here. It was no question that the, the Spirit of God came, is it? As you read through here, as you see all this that's, that's laid out, the promise that Christ had made uh, had come true. So that's a little bit of uh, the evidence by the, the audio, the visual. Uh, their minds coming into this. Now you see the effects that start in in verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem. That also means there were some just staying there, visiting. Devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Then he gives uh, the names of them. Um, Devout men. Devout. 
The word there is eulabes. It means cautious. They're godly men, but they're cautious. They don't want to offend God. Now, these guys are not um, believers yet, but probably many of them, or most of them, maybe all of them, they were the essence of, of reverence. They didn't want to offend God. They were there at this big feast that God had ordained. Uh, they had come from many places. And so they were cautious. They made sure that they would uh, be at this feast. They were, what? Devout. They don't want to offend God. And in Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. They, they feared God. They were God-fearers. Sometimes you'll see people being called God-fearers before they become Christians. God-fearers. They knew about God. They desired God. And then those people who are those kind of God-fearers, God will uh, come to and then give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptize them into the body of Christ. So but they're, they're cautious. That, that, cautious not to uh, offend God. So there's the devout men from every nation under heaven, and that's just saying they're just from all over. Everywhere, representing the rest of the world. And this, the timing that God has is incredible. How He'd have all these people here at this place and they'd all be able to hear something that would attract them to go there. As it said, when this sound occurred. Now, and we're talking, they're on all parts of the city here. And the sound we're talking about is not the languages that people are talking about. It will be. But what's the sound they heard? It was that loud sound that came from heaven. And matter of fact, it's a singular sound. Not a lot of different sounds going on here. Here, this is a singular sound. It was that sound that happened coming in to, especially to, uh, of course, the apostles and the, the 120 and in that uh, room. Um, and they were, and if, if it was the language, they certainly weren't yelling these languages, just where the whole city could hear it. So it was that sound that, like a hurricane. And they draw together, they come there, and they're confused. Why? Well, there's a sound. There was a sound, but no hurricane, no wind. Verse 6 says they were what? Confounded. I think it's a, an interesting word, and it's only used in, in Acts. It comes from a root word. It means to pour together to put something together and mix it up they were mixed up <laughs> they, their minds were just blown blown away by this they were absolutely amazed astonished they're confounded as it uh, introduces here bewildered the crowd came together and were bewildered that's my version that I have confounded bewildered mixed up when they got together, every man heard them speak in his own language. All of a sudden, you know, you could be from somewhere in Africa or way out in Rome. I mean, you got different people. A lot of them probably can speak Hebrew or Aramaic, but uh, maybe a lot of them they still speak their uh, native tongue. And all of a sudden, they're hearing these guys that were uh, from Galilee, who were the apostles, who were. Not they didn't go to school to be educated to learn foreign languages. 
And all of a sudden, they're speaking where these guys can understand what they're talking about. And it's an incredible thing. Um, these guys were in that upper room, and all of a sudden, they're just changed. They're speaking everybody's own native language. People are amazed. They're confounded. They're bewildered. They're astonished, as it says in verse 7. Confounded, amazed, marveled. And one of the things about being marveled is these guys are Galileans. Yeah, it means uneducated at best. They're from Hickville. These guys are from the boondocks. Do they use that word anymore? These guys are hayseeds. They're, they're farmers. I mean, there's no way they should be able to speak these languages where people can understand them. That's the whole idea. Very understandable. Yeah, Zach. <laughs> the Galileans are from Tipton. <laughs> hey, I'm no better. I'm from Taos. Actually, I'm not from there. I live there. But... <laughs> not much better, is it, Tipton guy? <clears throat> okay. Uneducated, uninformed, uh, people that there's no way they should have been doing this. People are confounded, amazed. Uh, they're staggering at that. This is unbelievable. I can't believe what I'm seeing. When Peter had denied the Lord, there was a slave girl that recognized him and said, Hey, aren't you one of the Galileans? Oh, this is one of those Galileans. I know. How come? Because he spoke like that. He sounded like that. Well, here's the roll call of the languages. Dialectos. That's, that's the word for language there. You have a dialect, a specific way. And it's, anyway, Parthians, and I'm not going to spend five minutes or two minutes on each one of these. Okay, He starts out at the east. He starts way at the east and comes naming these various places. The Parthians were probably the worst enemies of the Roman Empire. And then far to the east also, the Medes are mentioned here. You remember the Medes and the Persians? And they'd conquered the Babylonians. Um, that was an empire. Uh, what do you have? The, the Elamites? Who's the Elamites? Who are those guys? Uh, the old territory around Babylon. So they, people had come from there. Then you have the Mesopotamian people. Residents of Mesopotamia. That'd be the area between the two rivers. And then what do you have? From Judea? They say that there. He, he kind of comes there. Yeah. As, after Mesopotamia. Then he comes to Judea, which is right there where they're at. Uh, people are from that little local area. And then you come west to Asia Minor. Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. Asia doesn't mean the Asia we think of. We're talking about Asia Minor. Uh, think of Ephesus. Pergamos. Remember the seven churches? Smyrna. Those are those cities that they'd be familiar with. That's that's getting out there pretty far. As a matter of fact, Acts 19 will cover Ephesus. 
We know that. But these people, are they're in on this the very first day that the Holy Spirit is uh, indwelling these apostles and them themselves. So these guys uh, are people that we will meet one of these days. How was it like to hear Peter preaching that message? How was it like when you heard somebody speaking Egyptian? And you, and you were an Egyptian. What what did you think? What, what was going? On? Well, I'll tell you what. We were amazed. We were bewildered. We were confounded. <laughs> um, then you have Phrygia, Pamphylia. You jump across the Mediterranean all the way down to Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, uh, Libya's North Africa. And some Jews, I think it's been stated by Josephus, uh, he said that a fourth of the population of Cyrene was Jewish that lived there. That's quite a few Jews living there. Uh, then there were sojourners from Rome, extend way out there. And we know there was a Jewish population in Rome. We know about that. Uh, we know not too long from there, in 49 AD, Claudius threw them out. So Jews had been living all the way out there, but they had come to Jerusalem for this Pentecost uh, that was happening. Uh, proselytes, that's the ones who've converted, Gentiles who accepted circumcision and adopted the whole uh, idea of Judaism. So a remarkable uh, gathering. Cretans from the Isle of Crete, that's about 60 miles south of Greece. And then you see Arabians, from the Great Peninsula, the Arab Peninsula. They come from there between the Red Sea and the Gulf. We know about that area. So there they are. They're all gathered together. What a conference this could have been, huh? Well, it sure was. All these people, Jews from every place. What a strategic time for the Holy Spirit to do what He's doing. When you have all these people, and you know they're going to go back to their homeland. And what are they going to take with them? (laughs) What they experienced, what they felt, what they saw, what they heard. They have a testimony. So a lot of times when we know that there was a church in Rome long before Paul ever got there. Why would that be? These guys right here? They took it there. So I think here comes some really interesting strategy on the part of the Holy Spirit right there in that first century. It's interesting. Peter and the apostles don't start with the uh, four spiritual laws. You know, some kind of four four laws right in order. Uh, at first, what they do, and, and you see how God is doing this. First you have that, that room, and then you have the audio and the visual, and then people start gathering there, and then you have the, the languages. People are understanding in their own language. And now... What happens is really amazing too. It says we hear them in our own glossa speaking of what? The mighty deeds of God. Now they don't it doesn't really say the gospel there. Peter hasn't preached the gospel, none of them have yet. What they're doing though is setting this up. The Holy Spirit's making this just work out the way that uh it it's gonna be. And they, what they're doing, you have Jews there. And they're devout people, right? They know Judaism. They know the Old Testament. 
But what's happening is that they're praising God, which they're very used to. So he gets them right in the very vein of what they uh, think. He, he's meeting them where they're at. They, they're talking about the works of God. Well, you could start off with praising Him for His creation, right? You think of Genesis. Praising Him for um, all the things that He did, like, for instance, the uh, uh, Passover, Leading up to Pentecost. Yeah, well, it's um, yeah. When you think of the Psalms, you'll see things about what God has done and who He is. They're they're praising God, and everybody there would have, if they came for this, that's what it's about. Yeah, we're praising God. This is no different than what they've done before. Only there's going to be a little bit more happen after that. So they're seeing this. This is definitely of God. You know, either you're going to see this as a work of Satan, or you're going to see it a work of God. Well, they're attributing everything to uh, to God, praising Him. The Holy Spirit has brought all these together. There has been a preparation here, and what this is called is a breaking down of the walls. You're not seeing Gentiles here. I mean, there could have been some proselytes and such, but to the Jew first, right? But even to the Jew, who doesn't know anything about the Messiah, or has heard very little, uh, they're not really believing that story, maybe. And so you have a great setup, breaking down the barriers, and then you introduce Christ. You introduce the Gospel. Let's start with praising God. We all praise there, right? There's a breaking down of the, of, the, of the wall. So they start exalting the wonderful works of God. Every Jew there is saying, Amen, Amen, oh yes. What a worship <laughs> must have been happening. And um, so they're all joining in, reciting things. Uh, for instance, uh, let's go to Psalm 26.7. Go to uh, all over the Old Testament. Go through all throughout the, the whole Psalms of the Bible. What is it, 26.7? That I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. That's what people love to do, to, to declare uh, the great praises of God, the wonders, His works. Chapter 40, verse 5. One of thousands we could go to. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath comparing themselves to how God is, how great He is, using His character and His nature. How about Psalm 77, verse 11? Every Jew could have done this. Be praising God. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Right? How about verse 14? You are the God who works wonders. God of wonders. <laughs> you have made known your strength among the peoples. 78 verse 4. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come to the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. So this is what starts off. This is how it starts. People are just, just wowed by all of this. And... They're talking about God, speaking about what God says. 
Holy Spirit is preparing everybody here for the focus, the very attention on what is most important. It's the preaching of the Gospel, of the Word of God. Do you know what the most important thing that is happening here in Acts chapter 2? Some very significant things. But the sermon that Peter preached is along with the Holy Spirit is what changed thousands of people's lives in a very short time. Everything else was preparation. And the Word of God came. That's very much like what Jesus did. Came, broke down barriers. He'd even feed them and such. Do great, wondrous works and miracles. But that what not what it's about. That's not the focus. If it just ended there, that would be sad. People would still be lost in their sins. That was to break the barrier down where now this gospel can be um, seen that it, is, that it is true. And the people that preach it are true. And now we have an explanation found in verse 12. And they all continued in amazement. Remember, they've been amazed, perplexed already. And great perplexity. They're saying to one another, what does this mean? I hear him, he's speaking my my language. And I know that he doesn't, he didn't, he wasn't educated to do that. How is this, how can this be? They're all doing this. And that's one thing that can happen. I think the crowd was astonished. There are a lot of people, well, everybody here that came there, they're not believing. Many of them are going to leave believing. And they're amazed, astonished. They want to know what's going on. What does this mean? In a few moments, they're going to find out. You know, I guess there's really two types of people here. People who want to know what the truth is and others who actually uh, mock it. And you can give them all the evidence there is. You can give them everything. They still don't want to believe it. That's why we say salvation is not just an issue of dialogue. It's not just a, an issue of how well we can speak the gospel, how well we can argue, but it's the sovereignty of God and His Holy Spirit and His Word. Uh, he uses us, however minimal we may be, uh, He can still use us and He does. And that's the way that He's uh, done it. It's, we are part of the means of getting that gospel out. So, but it's how the Spirit draws, how He breaks down the barriers, and people are ready to find out what is this? What is this all about? What does this mean? But there are others that were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. They're drunk. There's always those people there. They're glib. They're sarcastic. They mock. Here it is in verse 13. These men are full of new wine. Now this isn't uh, just an analysis here of what they're thinking. It's mockery where they're making absolute fun of them because they couldn't explain how so many of them there were speaking languages to other people. And so the best thing they can do is just say, well, they must be drunk. 
right? And of course, Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And of course, we know that's what's happening. So, there's the church in its very early days as far as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful strategy. Uh, all focusing in on the preaching of the Gospel. The Spirit of God has been given to you, every one of us. Every one of us that trust in Christ has been placed into the body of Christ equal with the very same people at the very outset that were placed into the body of Christ. We are identified with them precisely. That is incredible. We don't have the audio-visual things like they had, but we have the completed Word of God and knowing that's true and knowing the Spirit of God uh, who uh, works in us to tell us that we are His believers as, as we believe. The Spirit lives within us Spirit of God can work through us. He works through you in a very miraculous way, doesn't He? A lot of amazing ways. Spirit of God works through us. And He works through us when we yield. When we yield. We we give in to Him because we know that that is best. That's being filled with the Spirit. The experience of that. So through your life, what He'll do is prepare fertile soil for you as you live it and as you get opportunities to preach, teach the Word of God. Uh, it's Him who does that, makes it all possible. And that's where the focus is at. It's on the person of Christ, the Gospel, the good news. And so they follow the pattern that Christ did. And of course, the, the sermon that Peter has, is there's a lot of good things we can take out of that so that we can bring forth the gospel and uh, when our opportunities arise, which they do. He's preparing the people to hear. That's all I have. We'll stop at verse 13. And you know what? That's two more verses than what I put on the outline. So you got a little bonus. And it's right at 8 o'clock. <laughs> What a history. What a legacy that we have being put into that same body. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? It's an amazing thing. Dwayne, would you like to lead us in prayer there? Amen. Mm-hmm.